This is the official podcast of the 122nd Fighter Wing. Views and opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect the views of the 122nd Fighter Wing, Air National Guard, or United States government. No endorsement of any person or business is ever intended. Welcome to Black Snake Bites, the official podcast of the 122nd Fighter Wing. Our mission is to inform, motivate, and inspire 122nd Fighter Wing airmen, attract new recruits to the U.S. Air Force, and promote engagement with the broader Fort Wayne, Indiana community. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome, Black Snakes, to another podcast of the Black Snake Bites, coming to you today from the 122nd Fighter Wing in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Your host today is myself, 2nd Lieutenant Rogers, and our guest is Technical Sergeant Joshua Wood. He works in the Engine Shop on Base, and he is also the former president of the Junior Enlisted Council. How are you doing today, Woody? Good. I'm doing great. Yourself? Doing great. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of how you came to be in the 122nd Fighter Wing? Sure. Um, I actually enlisted in 2012 at the young age of 36. 2013, 2014 is when I became a full-time technician. Um, I recently became AGR, but I've been in the propulsion element uh, my entire career. Dabbled a little bit with the ACE program, um, part of Bravo Squad, and uh, we've done a couple pretty cool trips to uh, training exercises to like Alpina and Moody and McDill. So that's kind of been neat to experience uh, another AFSE's career outside of my own to kind of see that, you know, you always have that premise that we do more work than this shop or that shop does, you know, that little tit for tat that goes back and forth. So it's been kind of nice to actually be able to develop that into my wheelhouse, so to speak. I've taken part in the honor flight, um, got enlisted or volunteered for uh, the JEC. So that's pretty much been my duration here. Awesome. And to, so today we're here to talk about the Junior Enlisted Council. And you've been president, uh, you're no longer the president, but how long did you have that role? Correct. Uh, Saturday of drill in April uh, was my last day as president. Uh, Senior Airman Little took over on Sunday. Um, you're only allowed to hold, according to the bylaws, a seat for two years. So I was president for two years at okay. the JEC. And we're excited to talk about this because the junior enlisted council plays a pretty big role on base for your young junior enlisted as well as community outreach within Fort Wayne. Can you talk about just an all-encompassing description of what the JEC does in the base and in the community? Yeah, yeah, I'd love to. Uh, I'd like to start out with, uh, it was kind of, it was brought to my attention that as the JEC being um, a private organization that we needed to have like a mission or vision statement to kind of uh, inform people about what it's about. And so I kind of combined the two as, as a starting point for uh, future presidents and future council members to actually expand on, try to hone it and make it a little bit better. Um, but it is uh, how it goes is the JEC is the foundational council whose mission is striving to connect to our community, bolster professional growth amongst the all rising six and to hone the future of the Black Snake's legacy. And can you explain for everyone what the all rising six is? Uh, all rising six is E1 to E6. Okay. So it's it's basically before you. 
uh, put a roof on, you are part of the All Rising Six. And you're talking about that rank, the Correct. that rank that everybody has as they work their way up in the enlisted. You are the house that yes. builds the the rank structure. That's why I love the word foundational. Um, I tried to express this to a lot of people is is that um, you'll hear people call it your bench. Like you need to have a strong bench so that you have the those individuals that you can fall back on, that you can rely on and depend on. And the All Rising Six is the foundation of the 122nd here. Um, because not saying that the O's or Masters and above aren't important, but we're the building blocks off of that. And as years progress, we become that upper echelon. And now that bench or that foundation needs to remain strong because it's being replaced. It's being renewed with new innovation, new ideas, new uh, points of view. So that's why I love that that whole foundational structure behind it. And how does the JEC support the E1 through E6 ranks? It does it in a, in a lot of different ways. It has so much potential to do even more than uh, what we were able to get established just in my two years alone. Um, we were able to raise enough funds to give back nine $500 gift cards to the Airman Family Readiness Center to be able to distribute to, to our airmen here on base that just might need that little something to get them through. Um, life happens, so you know it, it comes times that you may not have foreseen something or planned for something that they're there to help you with that. So that was kind of a cool ordeal to do. Um, we've tried to reach out and make connections with like the Shepherd house, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Westby kind of put the bug in my ear to start, uh, trying to incorporate with, uh, the boys and girls club to actually start bringing them out here and then us going out and doing functions with them to help them. Um, so it's, there's a lot that can be done that just hasn't all the fine details haven't been worked out or, you know, to be able to make it progress further which I'm hoping that uh, with me kind of setting in the backdrop, kind of trying to help the new council members out, that we can keep this progressing forward and keep pushing more into the community, doing more for our base here. And how does the JEC raise money to do like buying the gift cards and helping out with those community uh, organizations? Uh, we're allowed to have two fundraisers a quarter. So you figure that's upward into eight fundraisers per year. So uh, we had the golf outing, which was a big success. And I, my idea for that was to uh, keep expanding on the golf outing. I wanted to try to make the at least one of them, because um, I tried to have two a year. I wanted to make one of them like an annual event. And since a lot, since we've started branching out with um, uh, our community as far as the base-wide goes, like Tom Kelly Chevrolet is one of the augmentee uh, people out here is, I wanted to up our whole sponsorship and try to get bigger names in like Tom Kelly Chevrolet, Bob Thomas Ford, you know, GM plant, stuff like that, to where they're donating more to sponsor a whole so that in the end, when our profits is, is that I always thought it would be cool to hold one of those big paper checks like you would <laughs> see like, hey, you know, that the G Junior Enlisted Council was able to donate $10,000 to Riley's Hospital, Boys yeah. and Girls Club, or something like that. Absolutely. So it sounds like you have a really great vision for what the JEC could be in the future. Can you tell me 
what has the JEC been traditionally, uh, not just at this base, but in general, what does it do as an organization? Um, the primary goal, I believe, of the JEC is to help bring educational value that, um, that you know, your lower enlisted may not realize that, that are there. Uh, I always tried to have guest speakers that could speak about their different programs uh, that they were in charge of, that they were running, and then also talk about their story. To one of the the biggest things that I always loved having people tell is their story about where they started, and then then where you end up. You know, like uh, State Command Chief Dixon. I mean, when I had him, he was still just chief here, and uh, but listening to his career as being a DSG, you know, coming out of weapons, and then you know this led to that, and this person asked him to do this, and he kept you just kept progressing. Next thing you know, he's State Command Chief of the entire state, you know, that's just an amazing path that it wasn't something he sat down one day and said, okay, I'm going to look at my flight path and I'm going to go from here to state command chief. You know, he thought outside his box. He stepped outside of his comfort zone. He started grasping at different opportunities that were brought to him and he took them on, you know, and he made them his own. Yeah. That's amazing. I, before I commissioned, I came to quite a few of those JC meetings, and I really appreciated hearing that perspective because everybody who came to speak had a different background. And, you know, they may have started as DSGs and been DSGs for most of their career. And for those who may not be familiar with that term, that's uh, drill status guardsman who just works one weekend a month and two weeks out of the year at the minimum. So you could have started there or you could have guardsmen who had been working full time for many, many years. So everybody has a different background and different experiences. So I found it very valuable to listen to the examples that they had. Can you talk about how the JEC, uh, what it offers to drill status guardsmen who are coming in to drill every month and Maybe they haven't. They maybe they've heard of the JEC, but they don't necessarily know what it can offer them on that two days out of the month. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, um, from my experience, sadly, uh, I didn't hear of the JEC until I was already a staff sergeant. And as far as your question about like what it offers just on a two day guard drill weekend, I set up the meetings to be at eleven thirty, so it's always at lunch. It's always at the FWAM. Um, and when I talked to senior airman little, the new president, she said she, she liked that idea and she's going to keep it. So it was something that if I wanted it to be at a time to where you may not be as busy throughout your guard drill weekend, because you, with training and trying to pack everything into those two days, it's, it's hard to get all that in and to be able to, to get into something that's more of the, uh, extracurricular for lack of better terms. So. It gives you an opportunity to show up at a meeting uh, to potentially, depending on whether they have guest speakers or whether they're going to teach you how to do mock boards or talk about flight paths or ACAs or um, uh, anything of that nature. Uh, school plans that are coming up, like we're doing these new courses now to where through uh, Indiana Tech to where um, you can take a humanities course or a math course or stuff like that that's, that's out here. You know, it's it's something that's a little bit more low-key, a little bit more user-friendly. Everybody around you is in a similar position as you. 
And once again, you, you have different perspectives. So you're meeting new people. Uh, one of the things that the Junior Enlisted Council really brought to my eyes being the president is what I call the Great Divide. So you have this divide between, and I hate the term noners, but um, between the noners and maintenance. Can you describe what a noner is? Uh, a noner is, is someone who is a quote-unquote non-working individual. Like you don't work on the flight line. You don't have to have the great push to keep airplanes in the air. You know, you're, you're in services or you're in finance. And, and I, I, I don't like it because if someone in finance is doing their job, then I don't ever have to worry about where my paycheck's coming from. If someone in services is cooking my meals every day on guard drill weekends, then I don't have to worry about where I'm eating. I can focus on my job and my task. So everybody is a part of this cog in this machine that well-oiled runs amazing. But then there becomes that tiff when things don't go right, and I, that's why I call it Great Divide. And I saw the JEC as a point to be able to break that ball down and try to bring in people. You know, I've had people sitting in one room that are from ammo and services and medical and crew chiefs engine shop. So you're, you're bringing security forces, you know, the people who just stand on the outside that we don't think about. Well, I don't have to think about them because they're doing their job and I know I'm safe inside the base. So, but being able to bring all of them together in small group setting to where people see them as people, and then you can get that conversation going. You can introduce people to new people and maybe bring us closer together as the black snake family that we should be. It's so easy to just come over and eat and listen. I mean, if you're eating in your whatever break room you have or the defect or, you know, that's why when I came up with the idea with the flom, it was like this perfect setting because you can go to the defect and you can get your to go box and you can just come over and set and eat. And in the beginning, I would have, if I could have gone back, I would have loved to have gone as an A1C. And I think that through my first four ranks, it might have helped me progress. I don't want to say faster, but more efficiently. And when it comes to things you've heard in those GAC meetings about career progression or about different training or education opportunities, what stood out to you the most as something that would have helped you as an A1C or more, even more junior than that? I never heard of a flight path until I was a staff sergeant, until I very first got in the GAC. I've heard that a lot. And, and it's because of the, the, the lifestyle differences between the maintenance world and the non-maintenance world. And it, a lot of it, yes, you could say it, it, well, we just don't have time to do it. You know, that's, that's one of the biggest things that I ever hear. Is, is that, but as a training NCO, I see in my shop, it's like my opportunity, it's my privilege and my job to, to show that to them right off the bat. As a new A1C coming in, you may not know where things are going. You're being overwhelmed with, you just got back from an active duty BMT, and then you go to a mixed tech school most of the time between, you might have reserves or some active duty or some guard there. And then you come to a guard environment and it's, it's different. All three of them are different in their own. They've had their pros and their cons. 
But so you're trying to figure out just where your place is and having someone be able to show you that, okay, the sky's the limit, but you can branch off. You can, you can step outside that box. You can step outside that comfort zone Yeah. later as you progress kind of thing. Not to go down a rabbit trail, but because I've heard people say what you said a lot that they haven't heard of a flight path, can you kind of just talk through quick, real quickly what that is? Yeah, it's basically the biggest thing I like about it is it's written in pencil um, because it can change. And there's nothing wrong with it changing. So you sit down with, um, you know, either a supervisor, a trainer. It can even be someone who's only maybe one or two ranks higher than you. And you plan out where do you want to be in five years? Okay, well, what do you want to do in one year? What do you want to do in 10 years? And you, you basically, you scale that out to be like, okay. And then as that individual is telling you what they want, what their goals are right now, and those goals can change. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if you're like, okay, so in one year, your goal is to finish all your CDCs as soon as you get in. Okay, so what do you need to do that? Do you, you know, you're going to have to buckle down, you know, especially if you are just a DSG at that time. Um, So when you come out on your guard drills, you're going to have to be able to schedule the training that you have to do to get your three level or to get your five level. Then you're going to have to set aside for your CDCs or your time at home. You're going to have to sit down and you can kind of help explain the process of getting to just that first year goal. And then you look ahead at that five-year goal and then you'd be like, okay, so by five years in, you want to be probably just shortly be putting on staff, you know? Um, so now that you're a staff sergeant, what are your roles going to be? What are you going to be looking at then? Are you going to be doing college while you're doing? You know, it gives them an idea on paper to see where they're going. And then once you review that every year, you'd be like, okay, so last year when we talked, you said your one-year goal was here. Did you meet that goal? And if they're like, no, and they'd be like, okay, well, what happened to offset you from that goal? Is it something we can help you with? Is it something that, you know, we can direct you to somebody that can help you that's, that's what Air, uh, Airman Family Readiness is for, is to be able to help um, on situations that, you know, you may not even know that was available to you. Yeah. So to I guess to in that shortness of it is, is that you can erase that line and you can move that line or you can change that path. But it, it's just a refresher. Every year you figure out where you're at, where you're headed. Are you staying on track? And, you know, what do you need to help you with it? Because life happens and you might get derailed sometimes. Yeah, that's what I was going to say that, you know, maybe you don't accomplish your goal because maybe your goals have changed. So you can just erase that line and start a new one and, you know, have a couple different ideas of where you want to go. I did want to ask if there's an airman listening who wants to do a flight path, what should they do to get that started? They should immediately talk to their supervisor. And if their supervisor is of, of the mentality that, well, we just don't do those here, then go to a first shirt, go to, come to me, (laughs) you know, I'll sit down with you, you know, find someone and don't take no for an answer, you know, keep pushing. It's your career. Yes. It's like, it's, it's just like, you know, your, your ribbon rack, you know, sometimes, uh, the, the ones that are supposed to be given to you don't show up on your rip. So it's your job to make sure that you're getting the awards that, that, you deserve. So, but yeah, push forward. 
be aggressive and uh, uh, just don't take no for an answer. Absolutely. What differences has the JC made in your own life? Um, just looking at the entire time you've been involved with it, what have you learned and gleaned from it? I'm one of a, uh, of an older soul, I guess you can say. So growing up, I always heard the, the, the saying, it's not what you know, it's who, you know, that's how you're going to get ahead in life. And, uh, once I became a part of the JEC and I started expanding my own horizons, I changed it. And now I believe it's what you learn off of those that you know. And the more people of various ranks and, uh, and, stat and stations expands one repertoire of knowledge. And knowledge is power. And that power is the ability to make or incite change. So the more people you know, the more information that you soak up like a sponge from them, the more powerful you become. And the JEC has allowed me to be able to sit down at a table with, uh, well, now he's currently General Stoller, uh, like I talked about earlier, uh, the State Command Chief, Mike Dixon, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Westby. You know, you're in a room with the upper echelon of our base. And at first it's very intimidating, but then you realize that they're people trying to achieve the same goal. And when you come together in a collective setting like that, and if you can grab a hold of what they're telling you, and it, it just makes you that much stronger of an individual. And the JEC has expanded me. I thought I knew a lot of people before, I got into the junior enlisted council, but I would just, I was walking into people's shops that I had never been into before just to talk to them, to try to spread the word about the junior enlisted council. So I started making relationships base wide and it, it, it's been an exceptional experience for me. And you mentioned that you've been able to speak with leadership on a one-on-one -on -one basis. Can you talk about the role of the JEC president when it comes to having that direct line to the command staff? Quarterly, we actually have what's called a president's council meeting. And to where you're sitting down with a wing commander, um, you have your uh, president of the chief's council, president of the top three, uh, president of junior enlisted, um, and quite a few other individuals in the, I, I no, I can't name them all, but you're basically sitting at a table and it's a conversation. It's not a, uh, it's very comfortable, put it that way. It's, and it gives you as an enlisted, lower enlisted or a part of the all rising six, the opportunity to, to one-on-one -on -one talk about things that you see are broken or that might just need tweaked or that we would love to see administered. Like the thing that, that I like to bring up is that he asked, okay, is there anything that you can see that is working or not working? And I talked about scheduling meeting rooms on the base shared site that I tried to schedule my first meeting. I was all gung ho and excited uh, so I jumped on a big boy voice and said, hey, we're doing the JEC meeting at Maxwell Hall. And two minutes later, I get a phone call saying, well, Colonel Stoller at the time uh, has booked that room. And I'm like, well, OK, 
So I got back on the shared point and then I booked uh, the maintenance training room and a couple minutes later. So I get back on the big boy boy saying, Hey, correction, we're going over here now. Um, the maintenance training room. And then I get another phone call that says, well, Lieutenant Colonel Westby is, is booked that room. And, um, so then I'm like, wow, you know, and it's, so I talked to him literally face to face and said, this system is broke because there was nobody for, if I book a room, yes, granted, you know, you're, you're the wing commander. You can trump me all day long, you know, but if you took that room, then it should have like produced an email to send back to me saying, Hey, you know, Staff Sergeant Wood, you, you no longer have this reservation. You need to make another one or, you know, there needs to be that, that communication. It was a total breakdown after scheduling it. And then they started working on resolving it. It was just that easy. But if they, if I would have never actually said anything about it, it would have just kept going on like normal and it would have been flawed. And when you have uh, these junior airmen come into the GAC meetings, did you also have the opportunity to bring up personal or professional issues that they had with at the base um, at those leadership meetings? I tried to convey to anybody that if they see something that's not working or if they feel like they're not getting the, the proper guidance about something to bring it to me, because then I can actually go as uh, a representative for them. And I even promised that I'll sit at the table and I'll be like, Hey, I have an airman that said this, this, and this. And granted, if they order me to tell them who it is, then I have to, but, um, I would do my best just to not drop names because it doesn't, it's, it's not who did it or what did it. It's that this issue is happening and we need to fix this. This isn't right. Or we need more guidance on this so that when they do have, um, something pushed down to supervisors or like this new RSD video that they're doing now, which is absolutely amazing at getting information out. They can even key up on it saying, Hey, this was brought to our attention. And then what that does is that airman who is sitting in that room telling me, and then that next month he hears that it's coming out of an RSD video that, Hey, we're looking at repairing this. Now they know that their voice was heard. And actions are being taken to fix this and correct it. You know, because it is intimidating being an A1C walking up to a full bird colonel and being like, hey, sir, this is broke. You know? Yeah, I think that's a good point for anybody who's interested in getting involved with the JC that you do have that direct line if there's a problem, a systemic problem that you're seeing that maybe you haven't found the right avenue to address it yet. You can talk to your JEC president and see what they think. And if it's a problem that needs to be brought up to the top, then, you know, that's an avenue. It's yeah, one it's... one of the avenues, not the only avenue. So my last question for today is if you were to restate the Air Force core values in your own words, um, you know, our core values, integrity first, service before self, and excellence in all we do, if you were going to restate that in three words, how would you state that? To come up with three words to replace them, I would pick trust, respect, and inspire. And to explain a little bit about it, why I say that is, is that I use a, a, a money analogy with trust. Money is important to everybody. It's our lifeline. To make more money, you need to invest 
you know, in whether what it is what you're doing, you're investing in that or investing in the knowledge to become better at your job so that you can make more money um, and or investing it in stocks and portfolios and, and so on and so forth. But the more you invest in that, the more money you make. Well, the same way it goes with your people. The more you invest in your people, the better they're going to do. And so when you're coming to the end of your time, like here at the 122nd, then what do you do with that investment? Most people put their money in a trust so that they can, that money goes to their family. It, it makes sure that it goes to the right places. And if you create a trust out of what you've invested in your people, then that trust will be given back to you because they see that they trust in you. So it folds on top of itself. Off of that comes respect. Respect will be given once trust is established. And if you show that you are trustworthy, even 99% of the time, you will gain respect of every individual around you. And with that comes the inspire. Being an individual that instills that trust, gains that respect, now inspires those all around you, whether that's the, the A1C behind you, the tech sergeant standing next to you, or the chief master sergeant or O in front of you. You are going to push, you are going to force that change just out of that inspiration because they will see that you have the trust the respect, and you inspire your people. I like that. So, you know, we're at the end of our interview today. Thank you so much for coming and talking to me. Do you have any parting thoughts at the end of this interview? Um, the only thing I could say is, is don't take no for an answer. Just keep pushing forward. Forward and progress and step outside your comfort zone. Step out, think outside your box you know, and uh, uh, it was an honor to be here and I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. So in closing today, we spoke with technical Sergeant Joshua Wood, AKA Woody. Everybody enjoy your drill. Have a great weekend. <laughs>